Amen. Why don't you take a minute, turn to your neighbor, shake their hand, welcome them here this morning.
such an exciting song.
I am love. I am fearless. I have hope. I have shelter. I found peace. Thank you. See you there. Saturday, that's the Walk for the Homeless, June 11th, Saturday morning, down in Heinz Field. If you'd like to, uh, if you'd like to come and join them down there, we'd, uh, we encourage you to stop by the Welcome Center and, uh, and just uh, help out and be a part of the Walk for the Homeless. And so we encourage you to be a part of that. That's coming up this Saturday. But on Friday night, we have coming up our June Jamboree. So uh, I'd like to welcome you to Crossroads Ministries. We're so glad that you're here today. This time, would you please pass the friendship folders down the aisle? That will greatly help us. Our mission here at the church is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so uh, we, we want to encourage you to, uh, to be a part of what's happening around the church. Here's a, just a few thoughts that we have this morning for announcements. Number one, I'd like to direct your attention to the orange flyer, This Summer Pray. If you look on the back there, there's a list that I'm giving to the church. I'm asking everyone to sign up to pray. If you would take the, uh, take the little paper inside there and put your name on there, if you'll commit to pray for the church. Uh, we have a lot going on this summer, but we know that we need the hand of the Lord. We need God's power behind everything that we do. And so I'm going to be putting out, this, this is our list for the summer. There's uh, several things to pray for. The f- first thing I need you to pray for is this Friday, we have our June Jamboree. It's out on the field here, and uh, that'll be from 6 to 9. And then at 9 o'clock, we'll start our movie Uh, the Big Hero 6. So we're looking forward to a a real exciting time. I want to encourage you to pray. Number one, I'd like to ask you to pray that the rain holds off, all right? Um, God is in charge of all the weather patterns, and so he knows that we're up here, we're trying to do something for him. Ask the Lord that he'd hold the the rain off so that we could uh, have a great event, and uh, ask him that he'd bring people in, that this would be a bridging event. Uh, It's going to be a festival. We have a dunk tank down there. We're going to have uh, all kind of games, uh, family games, carnival-style games. The, uh, they've got so much going into this. It's going to be an exciting Friday night here. Put the word out. You'll, you'll see in the foyer, if you go out to the table to your left, uh, there's, a, there's this great flyer that we had produced. It, it has June Jamboree. This is going out to like 12,000 homes this week. And then on the middle, it has uh, all of our family movie nights. And then it has Vacation Bible School in the back. So I would encourage you to stop by that table today and, and grab as many of these as you can. Uh, lay them out in, in offices. Maybe you work in an office. You can lay them in an office. Put them in a, anywhere you can. Let's get the word out so that people know that we are here uh, because God matters and God wants to make a difference in their life. And we're going to be the church. We're going to step out and say, hey, we're here. Uh, we're not going to preach to them. We're not handing out Bibles. We are saying, hey, we're here to help you. We're here to care for you and be the community. And, uh, and one day they will come back and they will find, find a, a great home in, in a church here. But many people don't even know we're here. Can't tell you how many people through the years that they look and they, they drive by and they say, well, I don't even know that there was a church up there. So we want to open up our doors to the community. Then you'll see we have uh, August, I'm sorry, June the 20th. I'll be heading out to Ecuador with 26 people from our church. We're going to be going into the public schools. We're going to be doing um, vacation Bible schools. We're going to be working in an orphanage. We're going to run a camp. I mean, we've got so much packed into seven short days. We need your prayer. When I ask God for safety, when I ask God uh, for, to do great things in, our, in the life of our travelers, when I ask God to do great things in the life of the people of Ecuador. 
Then July, we have another movie, Woodlawn. That'll be on July the 8th. Then we have Vacation Bible School, the 11th through the 15th. We need people to volunteer, to step up. I want to ask you to pray that God will supply the volunteers. I want to ask you to pray if you should volunteer. Um, <clears throat> go out in the foyer today. Stop by the Welcome Center. They will give you more information on how that you can volunteer, what you can do. You say, well, I couldn't do much. Well, can you smile? All right, all right. For some of you, that could be hard, right? All right. Now, can I smile? Can, can, I, can I say hi to a child? Do you realize if you can make a difference in one child's life, you are being used by God? And so we're not asking you to come and run something for 100 people saying, look, can I come and make a snack for a kid? Can I come and put my arm around the kid and say, hey, I'm glad you're here today? Could I memorize his name by the end of the week and really see God do something? He can do that in your life. He'll use you. So sign up. Stop by. If you've never helped out before, stop by. Um, that we, want you, we want our church to be activated for that. And then we have, uh, there's also Dinner for Six coming up. Dinner for Six is this. We ask you to sign up, and we, we'll, we'll put you in a group of six people. And in that group of six people, you make a commitment to go to dinner once in June, once in July, and once in August. It's, it's really simple. Uh, you eat dinner every day, right? So now you're going to share dinner with somebody else and, and, and share that hour together and get to know some people. But that same group, and we're hoping to see community happen in our church, relationships built. So sign up, and, uh, and those, those groups will meet. Those, they'll be all different times. Some will be uh, middle of the week. Some will be on weekends. Some might be after church. I don't know. It'll be up to your group. But I'd like to encourage you to sign up and, and get involved. So that's what's happening with our summer prayer emphasis. We want to encourage you to pray. Pray for the mission of our church to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And we're asking you to do that three ways. Um, by coming to the weekend gatherings. That's what we're doing here. We've gathered together on the weekend. Uh, by getting involved in a life group. We're going to talk more about life groups coming up this fall. And then getting involved in serving. So if you make those three commitments, come to a gathering, get into a life group, get involved in serving. And that's how this whole thing works. And you'll see God do great and mighty things in your life. So uh, would you pray with us? So I'm asking you this summer to pray. Take the little orange paper. Put your name on there if you'll commit to pray. And put, the, put that in the offering place that comes your way or put in the offering boxes you leave today, all right? And then uh, one other announcement today. We have, as many of you know, Pastor Jim Watts, his, his mother passed away this week, 93 years old. And uh, Jim, Jim's been caring for her for some time. And, and I'll tell you what, I've watched Jim really, God's really transformed him through his mother, really. And just... Uh, you, you, I've just watched a, a whole side of Jim that I never knew come out in the past couple years uh, of caring for his mother in, in great ways. And so I, I'd like to ask you to be in prayer for Jim and, and Deb and, and all the kids and the grandkids. And um, They'll be up there today at the, the funeral home. Her viewing for Dorothy Watts will be at Schrock Hogan Funeral Home in Charleroi, Fallowfield Avenue, today from 1 to 3 and then again from 6 to 8. And then tomorrow the service will be at 10, officiated by Dorothy's grandson, Josh Watts. So uh, we, we, want to, we want to just love on the Watts family. I want to encourage you to stop by and, and, uh, and love on them and let them know that uh, you're thinking about them as they, as they are um, going through this time of grief. But I'll tell you what, I, I get around the Watts family in, uh, in this joyride series that we're talking about. I see that in them. They, uh, they have joy in the midst of their grief. I see joy in their family and joy in what God's doing 
I stopped up here last week for a few hours after the service just to hang out with Jim and and uh, and, and we were there with Dorothy as uh, as, as she was uh, she had taken a stroke and just really never came out of it and I, and I just saw that yes there's grief there's pain but I saw in the midst of all that this family has really a, a they're on the rock of Christ so I want to encourage you stop by there today and uh, encourage them and I'm sure you'll be encouraged by them all right this time I'd like to ask our ushers to come and we'll receive our morning offering if you're here today as our guest I'd like to invite you to stop by our welcome center we have a nice gift we'd like to give you and uh, if you are a guest today as the offering comes your way please feel free to let this pass you by okay this is for those that are here on a regular basis and we're growing in the grace of giving today it's been a fun weekend my daughter graduated Friday night I know a bunch of you some graduated yesterday and there's graduations happening all over the place and uh, lots of change happening in people's lives and people are coming and going right now and it's an exciting time so be in prayer for all of us, right? We're, we're trying to get through all that change, right? Let's pray, shall we? Father God, we come before you and we thank you, Lord, for who you are. You are a wonderful God. Uh, Lord, I thank you so much for how that you've worked in our life, how that you've cared for us. And God, I, I thank you for the fact that you love us. God, this morning as, uh, as we come before you, we think of the Watts family and we lift them up before you as they are grieving the, the loss of Dorothy this morning, Lord, but... We know that, uh, that it was our loss in heaven's gain, that for her to live is Christ and to die is gain. She is in the presence of an almighty God right now. So God, I ask for your presence to be upon the Watts family. Be with us this morning as we give, and we ask, Lord, that you will bless each gift and each giver, and uh, we, will, we will honor you in all that we do. In your name we pray.
about joyride, what it means to, to, to live life of joy. 
to, uh, to actually enjoy life. Now, I was thinking about this yesterday. I was riding along in the car. My wife wanted me to go get some mulch for the yard, so, you know, we just have a little bit of mulch that we need, so I get those little bags, you know. So I went to go get, the, get a few bags of mulch, and I got stuck behind a guy who was actually doing the speed limit. And, uh, you know, and I, I, got, I was stuck behind him, and he's taking his time, and I am, like, so frustrated. It's a five-minute drive from my house to A. George Supply over there in the library. And I'm like, why am I so frustrated because of this guy? So I wanted to pass him. I wanted to use the uh, Pennsylvania love term, the horn. You know, I, went, I, just, I, I wanted to do all these things. And so I was really, really frustrated. And then I, it hit me. Wait a minute. This guy's just taking a joyride. He's just enjoying life. He's taking his time. And, and I was all bent out of shape because I'd have been 30 seconds late to get mulch. You know, it's like, what, what is wrong with me? So as we think about joyride, we got to put life into a different perspective. I've asked you for a few weeks to look at, uh, look at the Grand Canyon. You know, you've gone to the Grand Canyon. We've said that you're there at the Grand Canyon. And then uh, you've got this wonderful view. You pull up your chair. And then all of a sudden, one of these come in, a Winnebago. And it blocks your view. So you've got this wonderful view of the Grand Canyon, but this Winnebago is in the way. And what can you do? Can you go get mad at the Winnebago? Can you kick the Winnebago? Is it going to help? Are all those things going to change anything? Or can you move your chair? So we've encouraged you. We've, together, we're trying to move our chair because the Winnebagas are still there. So I'm sharing this. Uh, my daughter graduated on Friday night from Ringgold, and, and uh, some out-of-town family came in. So my brother-in-law, Ed, we're talking about this. Somehow we got into the Winnebago story, Winnebago story and he says, uh, he says listen, uh, I went to the Grand Canyon this year, and um, our view was blocked, but it wasn't by Winnebago. Winnebago. I said, oh, yeah, what was it? And he gave me this picture. It was a blizzard. He goes out there in February, and, he's, and his wife's sitting there. She goes, can you imagine this? This is our trip of a lifetime. We finally get to see the Grand Canyon. And there he is in front of the, uh, in front of the Grand Canyon. So there's my brother-in-law, Ed, in the yellow. And his friend has got the thumbs down because it was his 50th birthday. So that was like this big dream to go to the Grand Canyon. So on his 50th birthday, they can't even see the Grand Canyon because there's a blizzard moved in, bad weather. This was in February. So you know what, there, there are some things that sometimes that life, you know, life can be overwhelming, but we can still find joy. And joy comes from knowing Christ. It comes from this relationship with God. So today we're going to take a look at, at uh, something that is really missing. What's missing in our life is joy. You know, think about this. You've gone home for Thanksgiving and your mother makes the best pumpkin pie and you've been thinking about this pumpkin, pumpkin pie leading up for about a month before Thanksgiving. And you're, you're thinking of all the joys of home. You're thinking of all, you know, mom does this, mom does that. But, man, we always finish Thanksgiving off with the best slice of pumpkin pie. It's mom's special recipe, and we, she's made it for years, right? So mom cuts the pie. You know, you had your whole meal. Mom slices the pie, puts it on your plate, puts a dollop of Cool Whip on top of it, and you've got your fork, and you bite in. You, you take that, and you put it right in your mouth, and you're like, oh, Mom, what happened to your pie? Mom, this is not the same pie you used to make. You, you messed up the recipe. How could you? And she looks at you, and she goes, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I had everything but sugar. So I, I just made pumpkin pie without sugar. Now, could you imagine making pumpkin pie without sugar? Um, that would be like eating popcorn without salt and butter, you know? You can do it, but why? All right? So, 
So it's like when there's a missing ingredient, all right? So that's what joy is in our life. We need joy, and it comes from God. And when we have this relationship with God to give us joy, it transforms all these other things. It, it's how you can look through a blizzard and still have joy. And so that's what I want to encourage you today. We're going to look here, and one of the missing ingredients that I found about joy is, is what the Apostle Paul talks about here in chapter 2. He talks about humility. And you say, well, how do humility and joy connect? Well, they're, they're, they really are connected, and, and it has to deal with my attitude. It has to do with something that I can control. You see, I can't control the Winnebago. I can't control the blizzard. I can't control everything else around me. But I do have a control of how I respond. And so when we start to understand where, where do we get our real joy from, when I can come and, and, and find real joy, now it changes my attitude. So let's look this morning, Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. He says, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from His love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? He's throwing out these, these questions. Is there any encouragement? The answer is yes. But it, it's kind of like he, he's getting your attention and he's saying, if there's any encouragement, is there any encouragement? That's the way it's written in the original. Is there any encouragement? And he says, look, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? So we're going to lay a foundation for joy. And here's the foundation for joy. The very first building block on your foundation for joy is this, encouragement. You have to have encouragement. Have you ever been around somebody who's discouraged? Raise your hand if you've been around a discouraged person, okay? Um, is, there, is there much joy around a discouraged person? When somebody is down, when they're discouraged, there's not much joy. So when somebody comes alongside and encourages them, it's transformational. Uh, it, it, can, it can really change their life. So this morning, the Apostle Paul tells us here, he says, um, you, you know, following Christ is not a discouraging walk. It's an encouraging walk. He says, if you are following Christ, is there any encouragement in following Christ? Absolutely. And belonging to Christ, there's, there's a ton of encouragement. And, and how, do you break, how do you break this discouragement cycle? It is by being united with Christ. Now, this changes everything in your life. When we lay that foundation of who Christ is and a connection to God. So I am connected to God, united in Christ, united. It's encouragement of knowing that I have eternal life because of Jesus Christ. Um, the worst day for a Christian, you can still have joy on your worst day because we are united with Christ. Now, this is, this is, again, this doesn't mean that you're, you don't have grief. There are times that we have grief. There are troubles. There are things that we have to deal with, and you have grief. But it does mean that you have joy even in the time of your grief. It means that whenever things are going awry and the world is falling apart around you, that your insides is together because you are united in Christ. Think about this. This is what the Apostle Paul said over in Romans chapter 8. He says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? Um, should, should any of these things separate us from Christ? Can they separate you from Christ? He says in verse 37, No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. In, in all these things, in tribulation, in distress, in persecution, in famine, in nakedness, 
in sword, in times of pain, in war, he says, we are more than conquerors. That's how I want to encourage you to lay the foundation for joy in your life. It is hard. There's a Winnebago. There's a blizzard. It is overwhelming. But you are more, more than a conqueror. You are more than a winner. You, you have this overwhelming, you, you are, you're united with Christ, all right? So that's, uh, that's the first thing. The next building block, he says, is there any comfort from his love? Is there any comfort from his love? When you think about that, is there any comfort? When you think of the word comfort, what comes to your mind? You know, you, you think of, all right, the chair you sat in, is it comfortable this morning? You know, uh, Saturday night I asked them if, it, if they thought, you know, if we should bring in reclining chairs, you know? And they overwhelmingly said, amen. I could, uh, Saturday night never said a word to me. And then all of a sudden, amen! You know, it was like, yeah, you know? Uh, yeah, uh, there's a theater that just opened up around here, I understand. My kids are telling me about it. It's all reclining chairs. It's all kind of cool, you know? And so, um, you know, you don't just go to a movie now. You go, it's an event. You go and you recline and, and they bring you your food. It's kind of nice. It's comfort, right? Now, he's not saying here, the Apostle Paul is not saying, is there any comfort in his love? He's not saying your life will be totally comfortable and you'll be pain-free in his love. No, but he's saying in his love, you will have comfort. Uh, there's still tribulation. There's still the distress. There's still all these issues that we have to deal with in life. But you will have comfort in the love of God. And if we can come and center our life around his love, Ephesians chapter 2, but God is so rich in mercy and he loves us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that we've been saved. Look at that phrase, he loves us so much. If we could just understand that, just believe that, then in the midst of my tribulation, God loves me so much. Then in the midst of my failure, God loves me so much. Do you, you, we live in a society that, that puts everything on, uh, based upon how good you are and, or on how hard you work. And that's kind of a good way to, to, to make, a, make an income, right? You work harder, you get a raise. And, and so it's a good work ethic. But God's love for you is not based upon how good you are. All of your sin was taken care of on the cross. If, you are, if you've come and trusted Christ as your Savior, you've opened up your heart and invited Jesus to come in as your personal Savior. All of your sin was paid for on the cross. So when Jesus died on the cross, He paid for your sin once for all forever. Everything that you've ever done in the past, whether it was five minutes ago, five hours ago, five days ago, five years ago, it's all been paid for under the blood of Christ. Is there any comfort in that this morning? Yeah, huge comfort. See, now, whenever, what happens whenever I do make a mistake? What happens whenever I do sin, whenever I do fall? If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that means I don't have to carry this load of guilt. Jesus died to set you free. All right, but you made a, ma a bad mistake over here. You've made a poor decision, a series of things. Listen, you don't have to be a chain to that guilt anymore. Is there any comfort in his love? And the Apostle Paul says, yes. There is comfort in his love. And I, I think he's 
you know, as I look at that and saying, why is he writing it like that? If there is any comfort, is there any comfort? When he's writing it like that, because so many times we lose our focus. So many times we take our focus and we put our focus on the tribulation and not on the fact that we are more than conquerors. So what we have to do, we have to change our attitude. So this is the building blocks of changing the attitude. Make, understand that there is comfort in his love. Uh, how about, is, he says, is there any fellowship with the Spirit? Um, <clears throat> any fellowship together in the Spirit? When you trusted Christ as your Savior, now think about this. What a wonderful God that we have. Not only did he die on the cross, he was buried, rose again, paid for your sin. Not only does he offer you the gift of eternal life if you invite him into your life, but he now comes and sends God the Holy Spirit into you. When you trust Christ as your Savior, God the Holy Spirit steps inside of you and lives with you. And here's what's really exciting. From that point on, you're never alone. You may be in a room where there's no other humans, but you're never alone. The Holy Spirit is there with you. And, and what's even more exciting is that is God's way of helping you. See, when he, put, when he placed God the Holy Spirit inside of you, God the Holy Spirit is there to help you make the right decisions. He's there to teach you when you read his word. And the, 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 sometime we're going to do a series on the Holy Spirit. It's really exciting to understand and know who he is because he is... He, he transforms lives. And that's what God does when you have the Holy Spirit in your life. And so there is comfort in the fellowship. So fellowship is this word. The original word there is, is koinea. And it's, it's this idea of togetherness. It's uh, being, being common together. And he says, is there any fellowship, any fellowship, any commonness with the Spirit of God? You want to talk about joy? God allowed you who deserved to be sent to hell, right? To be forgiven. And not only to be forgiven and have eternal life, but he allows you to have commonness with him. He allows you to have community, fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You are never alone. You go out, you're trying to live for Christ, you're trying to make decisions for Christ. You have the Spirit of God with you if you've opened your heart and trusted him. He, that is God's commitment to you. And then he says, are your hearts tender and compassionate? Do you have tenderness and compassion? There's a real foundation for joy there, to begin to develop tenderness and compassion. And whenever I begin to focus life on me, what happens? I shut down tenderness and compassion. Because I'm looking at me and, and my needs and how can I meet myself, take care of myself. He goes on in Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4, he says, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of yourself as better than yourselves. Don't look only, don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. Now, there's some decisions that we have to make. If we're going to, we are going to control our attitude. See, our attitude is the only thing that I can control about the whole situation of life. I can't control events that happen, but I can control how I respond to the events. And so if I'm going to do that, here's the Apostle Paul gives us some incredible practical things here. The very first thing. And now look, when, when the Bible says don't, okay, there's a lot of questions. People say, well, you know, is this right or is this wrong? And maybe the Bible doesn't 
come out and say don't specifically. But here's something that the Bible says very specific, don't. Don't be selfish. Don't live your life out of selfish ambition. But I'm not selfish, right? We all think that. There is joy in humility. But whenever I put pride in the way and I make life about me, I start to become selfish. Now I, I have changed the whole situation. I have made everything. If, if you are making life about yourself, you will never be happy. Selfishness ruins people. <clears throat> It's all about our pride. I'm taking care of myself. The pride is the big I. I'm going to do what I want to do regardless of what anybody else says. And I'm going to make myself feel good. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, if anyone would like to acquire humility, I think I can tell them the first step. The first step is to realize that one is proud. And see, when we start with our pride, we understand we, we all have a degree of pride. Uh, we've worked hard, I've earned this, I deserve this, and that's, we should work hard. But selfishness says, I'm making myself happy. This is all about me, this is all about what do I care for. The, um, the, the concept here is uh, selfish ambition. The, the concept behind that whole ambition was to work for a wage. And so there's, there's ambition, you work for a wage, but the word ambition became later known as to work only for a wage. So it'd be like this, if, uh, if, uh, if I told some of the young people in the church here this morning, said, hey, you know what, would you stop by my mother's house? I'll pay you 10 bucks an hour to pull the weeds, right? Man, they go, yeah, I'll go pull the weeds. Pastor Ken's giving me 10 bucks an hour. And, uh, and, and I pay him the 10 bucks an hour. And then a few weeks later, say, hey, you know, would you stop by and pull the weeds? My mom's house is, uh, is uh, the weeds are overgrown. Would you pull the weeds? And they would just look at me and say, how much? How much? See, that's working only for wages. But if, if they go and they do it out of the goodness of their heart because it's an older lady in the church or whatever and you're doing something to help, you see, see the difference. Selfish ambition is to work only for wages. And so, so in your life, I want you to think about your family because this here, it, it has this idea of rivalry, of competition. <clears throat> do you have to always be the winner? Now, ask yourself that. Do I always have to be the winner? Uh, if your spouse is here, look at them and say, do I always have to be the winner? Okay, they, they, you might not want to hear that, right? Do I always have to be the winner? Um, only, uh, you know, am I only working so that I will win? Um, mo- what is your motivation? Selfishness is the killer of relationships. When, when a husband makes decisions based upon his comfort, based upon his joy, based upon what it matters to him, it hurts the family. Uh, when, whenever the wife does that, whenever the kids do that, selfishness hurts relationships. If, you're only pers- if your only motive here, and this is what selfishness is, is what's in it for me. If your motivation is what's in it for me, then you will never be happy. You will never be happy. You'll never have joy. Uh, Rimland, uh, in, in a book called Happiness by Randy Alcorn, he, he cites a study by Rimland, and it, it was a psychological study. It wasn't even a biblical study. It was a psychological study. He's, they, they, they looked at how kids got happy and adults got happy, and they looked across the board what makes people happy. And he, he says this, The people whose activities are devoted to bringing themselves happiness 
are far less likely to be happy than those who are devoted to making others happy. The people who devoted themselves to making themselves happy are far less happy than those who devote themselves to bringing others happiness. Isn't that backwards of the way you thought it would be? Isn't that backwards of the way you were taught when you were a kid? You were taught, work hard, get an A on your report card, get the 4.0, get the scholarship, get through college, and then you'll have a great job. And we know, we know times are changing out there as it is, right? And, 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 we, and we have this, this society that says, work, 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 and you'll be rewarded. But God's telling us here, he says, don't be selfish. Don't make your own, don't make your desire be the, the, what drives you. And when it's your desire that drives you, don't, don't let that happen because you'll never be happy. He says, don't try to impress other people. That's the other thing to say no to. Uh, we have to say no to selfishness and we have to say no to impressing other people. Have you ever noticed some people do things just to be seen? Uh, you know, it's like the politician who goes into the school and reads a book and all of a sudden there's cameras everywhere, you know? Uh, for years, I've gone down to the, to the school down here uh, when my kids started in kindergarten. I volunteered. I said, yeah, I'll read a book to the kids as long as it's not too long. As long as the print's big now, right, you know? I can do the cat in the hat, green eggs and ham, Sam I am. And, and so I, I enjoy that. And I go in there, and I, I love to see the kids get happy and, and just have fun with them. But I've done that for 18 years. I don't know how long my kids been in school. 14 years, uh, you know, uh, back when I first put Carice down there, and now Kara's graduating, so, I, and I just keep going, and, and even though my kids aren't down there, if they call me tomorrow, I'd go down. I enjoy reading to the kids, but I don't have to have a camera to do it. Nobody has to see it. It's behind the scenes. And do you realize that there are some, sometimes we do things just to be seen, so that others will think that we're spiritual, because people are looking at me. Because if I get their approval, then I'm doing okay, and I'll feel okay about myself. And, and the Apostle Paul says here, don't be selfish, and don't do things just to be seen. Don't do things with that interest. Because when you're doing things just to be seen, if you're doing it just to impress somebody, you're not impressing God. And that's what's really wild. We don't impress God when we do things to be seen. We impress God when we do the unseen. When we do things that, 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 that care for other people that nobody knows about, um, we're, we want to be humble. He says here, be humble. The flip side is to be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. So the things we say no to are selfishness and, and, and to be seen, to impress other people. And then the things he says here to, to add, to say yes to, we say yes to being humble. So let me tell you what hum humility is not. Humility is not considering yourself less important. You say, wait a minute, I always thought humble guy was the guy over here and just got his head down and, well, I just can't do it. That may be humbling if you can't do something, but many times you can do something. And humility is not necessarily that you are thinking of yourself as less important. Uh, because I lift somebody else does not mean that I think of myself as less important. It means I'm submitting. I pretend. Uh, um, you know, I'm not pretending to, to be somebody that I'm not. Listen, I can do things. God, get, God gifted you. 
God gave you an awesome personality. He gave you an awesome gifting. He gave you talents. And he wants you to use them for his glory. And when you go out and you use them for his glory, man, God does something really, really exciting in your life. Uh, Through the years, I, I know because I've been around the church a long time and I've been around the music with my wife up here, I, you know, somebody would come out and they would sing a, I mean, just knock, knock it out of the ballpark song. I mean, just, man, people were just loving it. People were really touched by it. And then you'd be in the foyer afterwards and somebody would go up to them and say, hey, that was a great song. Thank you so much. And they'd say, well, it wasn't me. It was God. And I'm standing there saying, is it me? I thought I heard your voice up there. I didn't hear God. I heard you. You sang. God gave you that voice. And so humility is to say, thank you, continue to pray for me, and encourage me. I appreciate your encouragement. Humility is not this, I'm no good. And, 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 and I understand people are saying that as a well-meaning thing. Hey, listen, I want God to be glorified, and I'm right there with them. But the bigger picture here is that, that humility is not that you're no good. Humility is that I prefer other people. I lift other people up over myself. Humility is not considering others as somewhat important. You know, there's, there's I'm no good, and then there's, okay, other people are somewhat important. Um, <clears throat> that's kind of nice. You know, I, I consider your needs. I think about you, and, and you're somewhat important. Look what the Scripture says here. He says, be humble, thinking of others as better, better than yourself. That's hard. If we're honest with each other, that is really hard. Consider somebody else better than you. Consider your boss better than you. Consider the lady at the grocery store who's having a hard time getting the cash register to function well, and the line is getting long, and you are just irritated, you're mad because the line is long, right? Consider her better than you. Out. That hurts right here, right? That's where I live. That's where I really struggle with it. When I'm out there and I'm like, ah, oh, you know, why can't I just get somebody who can run these things, you know? That is total pride. Like, like I could unjam the machine at that moment. Like I, with my great skills, could do a better job than somebody else. Maybe I could. Humility is I treat them with higher respect. I, I, I lift them up as better than myself. That is a pretty tall order. See, this is where we need God now. When I, when I come to this, this phase of humility in my life, when I plug in humility now, the bar is set up so high that I can't attain that. Uh, that, is, that is way out of my league to treat other people better than me. It's not a natural thing to come over to somebody else and treat them as better. It is something that God has to transform us to. And so he, he says there, in verse 2, he says, listen, he says, the Apostle Paul says, I get great joy because you're unified, because you're together. This is how you become unified. You treat other people better than you. That, to look at their needs. Look what he continues on there to say there. He says in verse 4, he says, to look at the needs of others. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. Uh, we have to look at the importance of other people. The, the, the humility is considering others more important. Be humble means to think as, of others as more important than yourself. Remember that acrostic joy? J-O-Y. When we were little kids, they taught us that downstairs. Jesus first, others second, 
yourself last. And I used to always take that as yourself, as woe is me, I'm no good type of thing. No, it means that God has gifted you. God has given you incredible skill. You honor, you live, you glorify him. You can be incredibly confident and be humble, but you're lifting other people up. See, when, I, when, I'm, when I'm humble, I'm lifting other people up. Jesus first, I want to lift him up. So in our humility, we come before God. I can't save myself. Uh, that's an easy one, right? I can't save myself. He is number one. I'm going to glorify him. Others is the hard part for us. When we come and we lift up others, and we say, okay, this guy who's maybe more qualified, maybe I'm more qualified than this guy on the job. Or maybe um, I don't, this guy doesn't know as much as I know. I know more, and, 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 and he, you know, he's trying to tell me how to fix my lawn. Uh, so humility is to come and consider others' needs and to put them up higher. Let me share this illustration with you this morning. Um, humility is so necessary in marriage. It's necessary in all relationships. And it's the attitude. It's the missing ingredient. It's the sugar in the pumpkin pie. So my wife, you know, we're, we go through this thing. We first got married. You know, I came from Dormont, and I had a small yard in Dormont where I grew up. It was like, you know, I think that was about the size of our yard. Little small yards down there. And then we came out here, and I got, you know, I got a half a lot. <laughs> like a whole lot of land compared to where I grew up, right? So it was always important to my wife that the grass be cut. It was never important to me. Never. It still isn't important to me, okay? It still isn't. But I'm like, I'm like, you know, it's very important. She like, so there was a time that, you know, I'd be like, oh, honey, I'll get to it, and I wouldn't get to it, you know what I'm saying? And then and she says, well, if you're not going to get to it, I'm going to get to it. So I come home, and she's cutting the grass, and I'm feeling like this big. I'm walking in, and I'm like, well, I hope she don't do that again. And next week she did it again. And I said, wait a minute. I got to start considering her needs above my needs. My need was to come home and rest. I was dead tired. I was dog tired. I was out working at the church, saving the world, right? Sitting in the office. Then I come home and my wife's cutting the grass. So I said, I'm going to start taking this grass cutting a little bit more seriously. So I started cutting the grass and and saying, all right, in the past couple years, I'm going to take care of this and and really look after her needs and and take care of her, put her need that is important above mine. So this past week, you know, all this rain, so I cut it Tuesday or Wednesday earlier in the week, and, uh, and yesterday she says, honey, you need to cut the grass again. And I'm like, it just got cut Tuesday. It's 90 degrees out. You know I'll turn into a lobster, hon. You don't want that to happen to your husband. Yes, I do. I like lobster. So you know what I did yesterday afternoon? I have a terrible issue with heat. Uh, I have a comfort zone at 68, maybe 69. And um, anything below that is cold. Anything above it is hot. So I went out, and I went on the tractor because I talked my neighbor into letting me use her tractor, and I cut all three yards now with a tractor, right? And I went out there in the heat of the day, the martyr that I am, and I humbled myself and cut the grass. You know who I did that for? Not my needs. I did that for her. That's humility. Um, humility is to do it. 
And, you know, I all of a sudden, she got so happy over that. I'm like, why are you so happy? I'm dying. Maybe that's why she was happy. I don't know. You know I'm like, this is so hot. I can't even breathe. You know? And she's like, oh, the yard looks so wonderful. And she's just like, you know, all this joy is coming up. I'm like, if I would have known that, I would have bought a tractor the first year we got married. You know, I just, I should hand that to you with your marriage certificate. Here's your tractor, you know. Uh, and, uh, but, you know, and so, so I'm, I'm just thinking about this. I'm like, all right, so a while back here, I went to the grocery store or something, and I, I picked up something for her without her telling me. You know, I have the list. Then I actually, I, I thought of her. And so I come home, and she gives it, I give the, I, I can't remember what it was, but it was something small, and she's like, oh, you're thinking about me. I said, no, it wasn't me, it was God, you know. <laughs> I, I was like, hey, listen, don't you understand? All right, see, you see what humility is? I put her needs above my needs. And I'm not saying I'm the perfect example of this. I've been married 23 years, and I'm finally figuring this out, that I better get on the ball here. And I better start growing in this area because as I am humble, I get more joy out of seeing her. I see her joy. I see her excitement. And so in my family, and listen, this is how families work. If, if you are worried about yourself all the time, you'll never have joy. If, if you're driven by your selfishness, by meeting your needs, I have to have my needs met? No. But if I'm humble and I esteem my wife as better than me, and she esteems me as better than her, that's a pretty good situation now. And it transforms lives. It will transform your life. If we do that in the church, if we can esteem each other as better, take the person that you think is the least among us and treat them as higher than, than you as better than you. Guess what God will do? He will transform your heart. Through the years, I've watched God do that in the church. I've watched God see, there's people that you say, wow, you know, I don't know what's going on there, and I don't know if, uh, what's happening, what's clicking. And you go and you just love them, and you treat them as better than you. And all of a sudden, God transforms your heart. And God shows you that that is his creation. Because each one of you in this room today, you are the creation of God. And who am I? to discredit anyone. God says for me to treat each one as better than me. And I'll tell you what, I take pretty good care of myself. I eat three times a day, sometimes more. I eat, I brush my teeth. I comb what's left of my hair. I make sure my clothes are well clean. I can also treat you better than I take care of myself. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I want to encourage you Humility. Humility is, is hard because we're, we're really stuck on ourself in our culture. The Scripture tells us that we can rejoice with those who rejoice. If I keep my eyes on myself and make my, my, my selfishness the, what drives me, I'll never be happy. But if I look and see how that I can help other people, how I can lift other people up, how I can serve other people... I'll be the happiest guy. So will you. It will transform your life because you'll be able to rejoice with those who rejoice. And in the church, there are plenty of people to rejoice with. There are plenty of people to weep with. We have to come alongside people with their needs, with their cares, with their woes. And, and the Bible says that we weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. So if you're looking for joy, it's not going to be found in meeting your needs. It's going to be found 
in Christ. Lay the foundation of Christ. Find your comfort in Him. And then take your eyes off of yourself and begin to serve other people in humility. Consider others' needs more important than your own. Father God, I come before you and I thank you for the practical, practical words the Apostle Paul wrote here to the, book, to the church at Philippi. And God, I, I thank you that, that we can have joy, that we can have joy in knowing you and that in our interaction in our families and in our church, in our community, Lord, our life will be transformed. God, you could transform this community if we become people of joy. That one out and we're, we're looking at the needs of others over ourselves, that we, we're looking to build people up and, 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 uh, and meet their needs. God, what could you do? God, I pray for our church this morning. I ask you to transform me, transform us as a body, Lord, and transform us so that we will help our marriages, so that we will help our families, so that we will help our church, that we will help our communities, and we need the power of God to do it. The bar set so high that we can't do it on our own. That's why it's going to be miraculous as we watch you do this. God, be with your people now as they respond to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing our closing song. And as we sing, this is a a high-energy song, and let's uh, sing it out to the Lord.